Josh Hader to the San Diego Padres. I repeat, Josh Hader traded to the San Diego Padres. Yes, you heard me correctly. Yes, I'm also confused. You are not alone. I am very confused. Trust me. Looking at the San Diego Padres, the one thing, the one thing that I thought for sure that they would not need to mess with is their closer. Taylor Rogers has been one of the most reliable, solid closers in baseball over the course of the season. They trade a top prospect in Astori Ruiz and another top prospect, I believe a pitching prospect, as well as their closer, Taylor Rogers, who has been very solid this year. And I believe they traded somebody else. I'm trying to think. It's Denilson Lamette. Sorry, I don't have it, the report up in front of me. So they trade Denilson Lamette, who has pretty good potential. He's never really molded into the pitcher they thought he would, but he still has a little bit of value. Lamette, um, Rogers, who was their closer, as I said, one of the most reliable closers in baseball this year, and two prospects, I believe, for Josh Hader who at one time was the best reliever in baseball. Undisputed, probably even the beginning of this year, they said Josh Hader is the best reliever in baseball. Lights out. He had that huge streak of saves that he was able to not blow. It was insane what Josh Hader was doing. Lights out every day, day in, day out. Josh Hader was phenomenal, okay? The Padres making this trade think they're getting an upgrade at closer. They are. They are. Don't get me wrong. Josh Hader is a better player than Taylor Rogers. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is Taylor Rogers has been good to the Padres. He's been very solid this year. So if I'm the Brewers and the way Josh Hader's pitching, he does not look like vintage Josh Hader, all-star, best reliever in baseball, Josh Hader. He is not that same Josh Hader right now. He is rattled. Okay. He is not pitching like Josh Hader. When he goes out there, you don't know that he's going to shut the door. Before that one game against the Philadelphia Phillies where Hader got his save streak blown out by two solo home runs by Alec Bohm and Matt Veerling, before that, Josh Hader had not blown a save, I mean, going back to last year. So after that Philadelphia Phillies game where they hit the back-to-back home runs off Josh Hader, now you're talking about a different Josh Hader. He has not been the same closer. He has not been at that same elite level since that, tra- since that game. So the Padres are trading two prospects, their closer, who has been as reliable as you can be in a closer role in Rodgers, and a a pitcher that still technically has potential, even though he's never lived up to the hype in in Lamette. So four guys for Josh Hader. Now, you guys can kind of gauge for yourselves whether that's valuable or not or whether that's worth it. But in my opinion, that was a horrible trade for the, for the San Diego Padres. Now, that's not to say that a change in scenery won't help uh, Josh Hader and he won't go back to being that same Josh Hader. But that's a pretty big gamble for a team that's trying to go out there and get a guy like Juan Soto. You're giving away prospects that you could be utilizing, especially a story Ruiz I'm talking, in that Soto deal. Okay, so you're trading prospects for a position that you're only slightly upgrading. You can't do much better than Taylor Rodgers. Rodgers was an A-rated closer this year. They are banking on Josh Hader being an A++, which is what he was for a while. He is not that right now. What I'm saying is it's not the same Josh Hader, and the Padres making that trade are saying to themselves, we are getting the best closer in baseball. They should not be able to say that anymore because Josh Hader has not been the best closer in baseball. He was for a while, but right now with this trade, you are banking on Josh Hader being the same lights out Josh Hader that he has been up until most of this season where he has not been. 
So I think it's a huge gamble for the San Diego Padres. I think the Brewers won this trade. They get a closer that is just as good and even more um, effective this season than Hayter has been in Rodgers. Rodgers has been fantastic. So you're getting a slight, I mean slight, downgrade at closer and you're getting a prospect in a story Ruiz who could be special you're getting another pitching prospect which you never know what he'll turn into I believe his name was Gasser and then you're getting Denilson Lamette who can be a long reliever in your bullpen right now and he could potentially become a starter again in the future he has that potential he has the stuff he has shown flashes of brilliance throughout his career so far and there was one one season where he did fantastic but then he kind of tailed off since then you still know that he's a good MLB-level pitcher that can be effective for you, and you're getting a player like that that you could kind of you know, resurface his career, resurge his career, which is what the Padres are expecting out of Josh Hader. I just think it's too much of a gamble, and I think that the Brewers won that trade 100%. The New York Yankees just acquired Frankie Montes and Lou Trevino from the Oakland Athletics exchange for Ken Waldachuk, J.P. Sears, Luis Medina, and Cooper Bowman, four prospects in the Yankees organization. I do not know how to calculate value for those four prospects because prospects are simply built on potential and what-ifs. What if J.P. Sears becomes a quality starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. Uh, what if Bowman becomes a quality second baseman? What if none of them never, ever reach the Major Leagues and all become total busts and the Yankees just get Frankie Montes for free? You never know. Hindsight might always be twenty twenty, but right now, looking at the future, we have no way to calculate value for these prospects, for these players. Because even if they're highly regarded prospects, we don't know what they're actually going to become. So for the Yankees to grow some balls and make this move to get a top-end starting pitcher, one of the best on the market in Frankie Montes, that is a big-time move by the Yankees, and I really like it. I'm already giving this deal an A. That could sway to an A- minus if I find out that these are some top prospects in the Yankees organization, but this could also go up to an A-plus if none of them were in their top 10. So... It's just a matter of figuring out from some Yankees fans or maybe some research how good these prospects really were. Either way, it's a good trade for New York because they're getting a guy that can literally slot in the rotation behind Garrett Cole. Frankie Montes is a top 25 starting pitcher in Major League Baseball easily, and he would be an ace on at least 10 teams. So the fact that the Yankees were able to acquire one of the best pitchers that were available on the market and literally one of the best swing and miss guys that there is, his literally his splitter is one of the five singular best pitches in all of baseball. I would even go as far as to say it's one of the top three pitches in all of baseball. The whiff rate that he gets on his splitter is absolutely unfathomable but this guy is the real deal he is a lights out starting pitcher in the major leagues and getting a guy like this a team like the new york yankees that already have a strong pitching rotation don't get me wrong they have a great rotation you're talking cole you're talking montgomery you're talking nestor cortez uh you're talking jameson tyan and you're talking about um luis severino but the catch is that luis severino has a lat injury and he potentially might be out until, I don't know, at least a few more weeks. So the uncertainty behind Luis Severino and his injury and possibly not being able to slot back in that rotation in the foreseeable future is just another amazing reason to go after a guy like 
Frankie Montes. And now the Yankees have a ridiculously strong rotation, literally top three in baseball. You know, you're talking Cole. You're talking Montes. You're talking Cortez, who's having the best season of his career. You're talking Jordan Montgomery. And you're talking about Jamison Tyone, who almost threw a freaking perfect game. So these guys are all able to pitch a playoff game for your team and you can go out there and know that you have a legitimate chance to win this game what sets Frankie Montes aside from all those guys and makes him another level up is the fact that he has proven himself on an Oakland Athletics team that is absolutely I, I don't even know a word like just horrible okay the A's are absolutely horrible Frankie still has had pretty good stats pitching for the Oakland A's imagine him pitching for a team that has one of the best offenses in baseball he's gonna get run support like he never had before and that guy is gonna win probably every start okay at least like 75% of his starts the Yankees are gonna have a chance to win all of them but I think they'll win about 75% of them so not only does it help the Yankees in the rest of the regular season to win more games but it helps them in the playoffs because if that's your number two pitcher a guy that could be an ace on like I said probably 10 teams at least being at least starting maybe two games in a five-game series I I don't know how that would line up typically your ace will start at least two but this guy is gonna I mean he could do it so in a seven-game series, you're talking about Garrett Cole, um, Frankie Montes, and Nestor Cortez all start in two games. That is pretty good odds, I would say, winning a series if you got some guys like that that are lights out. So I like the trade for New York. Like I said, I give it an A. I like Montes a lot. And I think that this does truly make the Yankees a better team to make it worthwhile to give up those prospects. Because like I said, are you going to bank on the future? Are you going to go for prospects and potential? Or are you working for the now? Do you think that you have a chance to win this year if you make your team slightly better? The Yankees did that by getting Montes, and they have a better chance at winning it all now. So not only is it Frankie Montes, but also don't discredit Lou Trevino. Okay, Lou Trevino actually started the season as Oakland's closer, and he was their best reliever, okay, at at one point, and maybe, maybe even now he's still... He's a veteran, okay? He's a guy that can come in in high-leverage situations and get you big outs against big-time hitters and help you just eat innings. Montes is going to be an innings eater, and so is Lou Trevino. All you need from pitchers at the big league level at this point in the season and going into playoffs is guys that are going to give you innings, guys that have the durability and the stamina to go deep in ball games and then pitch on four days rest. Okay, so you're talking about Frankie Montes, who's going to be the number two uh, starting pitcher behind Garrett Cole in the Yankees rotation, and Lou Trevino, who's going to be one of their more higher leverage relievers, just another guy that you can put in there. Every team this time of year is looking for bullpen arms and bullpen help. The Yankees are no different. They have a really good bullpen, but they are no different. So getting a guy like Lou Trevino after they just lost Michael King, I believe, maybe for the year, if I remember reading that correctly, this is huge, huge for the Yankees because their their uncertainty behind Michael King, and I actually do think he's out for the year, and the uncertainty uh, behind Luis Severino, the Yankees just addressed both of those and killed two birds with one stone. So 100% I'm giving the Yankees an A on this deal, and man, I couldn't be more happy for the Yankees, man. They're trying to build a World Series contender. This is literally how you do it. This is literally how you do it. You saw what the Atlanta Braves did last year. You can win all of it, all of it, with your free agency acquisitions. And you saw how valuable players like Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario were for the Atlanta Braves last year when the time came. And even Jock Peterson. We'll give Jock some love. So 
The Yankees are doing things right. I hope they keep it going. If they really want to make a push and win it all this year, they just need to keep getting good players and keep making their team better. Benintendi was a huge upgrade for New York, but I like this Montes trade, I think, even a little bit better. I think Frankie Montes and Lou Trevino are going to have a huge impact on that New York Yankees team. And like I said, a lot of credit should go to the Yankees for making this move. I think it's all worth it in the end. You know, you could trade these guys that have the potential and possibly they could turn into something special down the line, but you already know that Frankie Montes is special. You don't have to look down the line to see that. He is a special talent. So the Yankees just made their team better. That is what free agency is about, and I'm all in for that move. 100%. Good job, New York Yankees. The best team from yesterday's free agency is the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros acquired two players. They're going to help them down the stretch and help them contend for the World Series that they should already be favored for. The Astros are one of the strongest teams in baseball, and they had very minimal weaknesses heading into the trade deadline. But you can always make your team better. And they made their team better for a minimal price. They were able to acquire a new catcher in Christian Vasquez, which is huge. And a big-time bat in Trey Mancini, who can play multiple positions. That's the, that's the key that I was looking for. When I was asked about the Houston Astros' needs heading into this trade deadline, I said their biggest weakness is catcher. They addressed that. And then it's always nice to have a guy that could play outfield for you. Mancini can also play first base. He's a good enough hitter that he can DH on days. Uh, if Jordan wants to play left field, it doesn't matter. I just feel like the Houston Astros are a better team because of those couple moves. And they only gave up a total of, I believe, three prospects and a uh, depth outfielder. So for three prospects and a depth outfielder to get a new starting catcher, and a new potentially starting, I guess Mancini could end up in right field. He could end up in, you know, DHing or first base, whatever. I could see him at first base with the way that Yoli Gurriel struggled this year. Yoli Gurriel, former league batting champ, has been absolutely awful all season long. And I mean, he's starting to get better, starting to get hot right now. But is it too late? Has he lost the starting role? I don't know. But if he stays in that role, I could see Mancini in a corner outfield spot. He'd be an effective bat in the lineup. Obviously, they weren't worried about defense too much. They were worried about getting more bats in that lineup. An already loaded um, championship caliber lineup. And uh, I like those moves for Houston. You know, They really did not have to give up too awful much. And they were able to get two guys that can truly help their team uh, down the stretch. So... Big fan of the moves that the Astros made yesterday. I would say they're the big winners uh, from the uh, August 1st trades. So, uh, you know, we're heading into August 2nd now where most of the stuff will happen. But on August 1st, I do believe that the Astros won the day. Um, they acquired, as I said, two MLB talents. Like, I, they weren't messing around, you know. Prospects... As we said in the past, they're built on what ifs and they're built on, um, you know, untapped potential. So trading away um, three prospects, and I'm not sure how high or low they were in the Astros organization, and um, trading away a depth outfielder in Jose Siri, 
they're able to get two guys that are actually going to be able to slot right in that starting nine and definitely help that team. I mean, the Astros were already arguably the strongest team in baseball, but I do truly believe this this trade does make them better. Both of those trades make them better. So the Vasquez trade especially, I'm going to give that one an A+. 100%. I think they addressed their biggest need, which was a, a good offensive and defensive catcher in uh, in Vasquez. And then I'm actually going to give the uh, other trade where they acquired Trey Mancini. It was actually a three-way trade, so it was interesting how they didn't really have to give up as much because the Rays wanted somebody that uh, um, that the Orioles had as well, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So I would give that trade also an A uh, with a prospect of an A plus, depending on how those prospects line up and uh, possibly an A minus if those were some of the top prospects in that organization. But for Vasquez, I think that was that was the right price. I really don't think they gave up that much. They gave up, I think, a prospect and player to be named later or something like that. So good job for the Houston Astros. They definitely won the day yesterday. And uh, yeah, they're trying to win a World Series. They saw the Yankees make that move for Montes. And now they're doing their thing. And Houston is built on winning. Uh, a lot of people talk a lot of crap on the Houston Astros because of the, uh, the scandal back in the day. But that was a long time ago. And this is a really good baseball team. So get over it. Because more likely than not, they're going to be making a deep run in the playoffs. And these moves that they made to, uh, on the August 1st are definitely going to help with that. So the Atlanta Braves on August 1st are another team... Not, not, they didn't win the day. The Astros won the day. The thing about the Atlanta Braves is I think big things are coming. The Braves went all in last year at the trade deadline. No, no questions asked. The trade deadline is why the Braves won the World Series last year. Those moves that they made paid off in a big way when playoff time came around and especially World Series time came around. So for Atlanta, they know winning starts right now, starts at this to part of the year where they can steal solid players from other teams to make their team better. And that is what they are doing right now. At least I think they're trying to do right now. One of the trades Atlanta made yesterday has me a little bit confused. The other one I understand. So their one trade was a pitching prospect for Robbie Grossman. Now, Robbie Grossman is a decent major league outfielder from the Detroit Tigers, obviously. This guy can play. I mean, he can play defense. He can hit. I like Robbie Grossman. I think Robbie Grossman makes Atlanta better. Whether they use him in the outfield and actually start him or whether he's just a depth outfielder, which Atlanta liked to stock up on last year when they won the whole thing, I think Robbie Grossman's a great pickup. I, I really do. So Robbie Grossman deal, I, I give that an A, 100%. Actually, I'll give that an A+, because I'm a big Robbie Grossman fan. So that's, that's a big deal for Atlanta to get a guy like that, because he's going to help them down the stretch. He's a guy that's a veteran. He's got experience, and he's just a good player, okay? So Robbie Grossman, I'm glad Atlanta was able to pick up a guy like that. I wish Philly could do something like that. So... Looking past Robbie Grossman and the very little asking price that they had to give up for that guy, they also made a move where they acquired Jake Orderizzi from the Houston Astros in exchange for Will Smith, who is one of the Braves' arguably top three relievers. Why? I have no idea. So the Astros, I was just talking about the Astros. The Astros won the day yesterday, 
And this just proves the point that they won the day yesterday because they gave up a probably four or five slot in starter in Jake Ortorizzi. He's not a high-end starter. He's definitely a four or a five. For the Braves, I think he's their six. Um, and they get Will Smith, who's a high-leverage reliever they can use in, in, in clutch situations. Like I said with Trevino yesterday for the Yankees. That player is going to be underrated, okay, moving into trade deadline season. Now, there's other guys on the market just like that, like Mark Melanson, for example. Okay, I think Mark Melanson could make a team better, okay? So veteran relievers that have save experience, which Will Smith does, I just feel like that is a valuable asset right now for the Houston Astros to have where their bullpen is, I mean, it's good, but it can be a little bit spotty just like anyone else. More reliever arms, the better, okay? You want to load that bullpen up. You want to be able to put a guy in and know that you're going to be able to hold your lead maintain your lead late in games, and just be able to shut the door. And I think Will Smith is one of those guys that Atlanta used the heck out of last year and this year, I believe, so far. He's a guy that you can put in and line up as one of those, you know, shut down guys. If you're in a close game, Will Smith can be one of those guys. Okay, so the Astros are just adding to their arsenal of relievers. They already have Ryan Presley, Hector Neris, former Philly, um, Maton, uh, just the list goes on. Stanek. I mean, they have some lockdown guys. And Will Smith just makes that bullpen that much better. So good for Houston. I give Houston an A on that trade because they were able to get rid of a low-end starter, which who knows, maybe they're in the market for another one, and able to acquire a high-end relief pitcher, probably one of the better ones that would have been on the market. So good job, Houston. But for Atlanta, I think it might be more of a big-picture scenario. So for Atlanta to acquire a guy that's probably not even going to slide in their rotation. I mean, their rotation right now is Max Fried, uh, Charlie Morton. They have uh, Kyle Wright, who's pitching really well this year, uh, Ian Anderson, and obviously a Rookie of the Year candidate in Spencer Strider. That's their five. That's their rotation. So where does Odorizzi fit in? My prediction was possibly... One of those other arms that they do have, maybe Ian Anderson, could be used as a trade chip to go somewhere else. I don't know, but that would be my best bet if they were going to acquire Ordorizzi. Maybe they have something else in mind for one of their other guys because most teams aren't going to carry six starters right now. I just feel like there's other things that the Braves would want to address before they carry six starters. So it is a very real possibility that one of their other pitchers could be a trade chip. Maybe Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton hasn't been like Charlie Morton this year. What if there are teams that are willing to give up a lot for a veteran starter like Charlie, and then he ends up getting traded, and then the Braves just slot Odorizzi in at the five? Or, like I said, Ian Anderson, a young pitcher that has a little bit of potential. That'd be a cool, you know, a cool trade piece as well, maybe appetizing to some teams. So who's going to bite? Is Atlanta actually planning something? Are they, are they going to have a big day today? Do they have more moves coming? I think yes, because there's no reason that they would have acquired Jake Ordorizzi for a, a high-end reliever like Will Smith unless they had a plan. Because the Braves, they know how to win. This is a team that won the World Series last year. They had a plan. I think they have a plan again this year. They know what they need to do. And I expect big things from the Atlanta Braves here on the day of the trade deadline, whether it be swapping starting pitchers or using a starting pitcher as a trade piece to another team to make their team better. All right, let's talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals coming into the season had a very good starting pitching rotation with Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Steven Matz, Dakota Hudson, 
Well, two of those names have been injury-plagued all season long, being Jack Flaherty and Steven Matz. So the Cardinals were in the market for a starting pitcher. Wainwright's their ace. Michaelis is their two. And honestly, I would say that uh, their three would be Dakota Hudson at this moment in time. So they needed a four or a five, okay? Or both. But so far, they were able to acquire Jose Quintana as well as relief pitcher Chris Stratton from the Pittsburgh Pirates in exchange for a pitcher that's never really panned out for them in Johan Oviedo and then another infield, I believe, prospect. So the St. Louis Cardinals obviously are going all in. They didn't have to give any major pieces, major trade pieces up for Jose Quintana. He can slot in as their number four starter and be a viable option for them to start games going down the stretch. I think it's a good move. They also added the bullpen with Stratton, who can be a, a decent reliever. And as I said, the key here is that they didn't have to give up much. Okay, Oviedo and then an infield prospect. I think that they could still make a move or make a push for Juan Soto. I think that's in their plans. And they did not give up anything that they would be using in that deal for Quintana. I thought Quintana was going to have more of a market. I saw that the Phillies and other teams were pushing for Jose Quintana, but the Cardinals end up getting Quintana and he has had a great year. So I think it's a good move for the Cardinals. I really do. I give it an A plus because they get Quintana and they get Stratton. So they boost their rotation and they also boost their relievers as well. And that's what the Cardinals need to do is they just need to make those little trades that could have could that could pay big dividends down the line it's those little moves that sometimes end up panning out and being the uh the better moves so for the cardinals they didn't have to go out and get Cindergard. they just go and get jose quintana he's going to be a good starting pitcher for them solid player and they makes their team better that's the important part about the trade deadline is just making your team better that is what they did they made their team better with this trade. They were able to get Quintana and Stratton, and I believe that their rotation and their bullpen are going to reap the benefits of that trade as the season goes on and playoff. The Red Sox might not be giving up. That's what I wanted to say. Okay. The Red Sox are confusing me. They really are. But they just made some really sketch trades yesterday. Okay, they traded away Christian Vasquez. Obviously, the starting catcher. But then, to confuse us even more, they trade away Jake Diekman, a relief pitcher, to the White Sox in exchange for Reese McGuire and a player to be named later. So they just replaced Christian Vasquez with Reese McGuire, who's actually not that bad of a catcher. So you're talking about a lineup that literally all all you're changing is Vasquez is coming out, McGuire's coming in, and they got a couple prospects and gave up a reliever. I mean, literally. So they get a couple prospects, they give up one reliever, and they swap catchers, and then the next move, which even confused me even more whenever I was still trying to figure out if this team was trying to compete or not, is when they acquire Tommy Pham from the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for a player to be named later. So the Red Sox are confusing me so much right now because I thought they were going to be sellers. They've been one of the worst teams in the league since the trade deadline or since uh, since the All-Star break. This is the trade deadline. And I just I have no idea what's going on with them. <laughs> uh, it's like, are you trying to sell? Are you selling or are you buying? Because they sold Vasquez, they sold Diekman, but then they bought 
Bruce McGuire to replace Vasquez, and fam. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Boston? Are you trying to uh, compete for a playoff spot? Or are you accepting defeat and knowing that you're a horrible team and should just try to acquire prospects for the future? I, I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea how to evaluate two trades that included a player to be named later. Um, so you don't, you don't even know. Like, it's, it's worse than a prospect. At least a prospect, I'm like, okay, at least I have a name to put to what they're getting. But in this case, both of those uh, Red Sox trades included a player to be named later <laughs> so I have no idea how to how to gauge those trades but I'm just seriously confused what the Red Sox are doing are they selling or buying it looks like a little bit of both so we're gonna have to see what happens today and see if the Red Sox are truly buyers or truly sellers because what they do today is going to determine what they actually fall under so let's see what the Red Sox are doing here on August 2nd, and then we'll be able to make a determination of whether or not they're going to be going for a playoff spot or they're just building for the future. So the Red Sox continue to confuse me, but we will ultimately see what their end goal is after 6 p.m. Eastern time today. If there's one thing that we've learned about the Pittsburgh Pirates over the years, it's that when the trade deadline comes, if they're not in contention, which they normally are not, they are willing to practically give away every single player that has any and all value uh, to contending teams just for the sake of doing it. Um, I never understood Pittsburgh's trading ways. Um, there was once a time where the Pittsburgh Pirates were a contender and they made arguably one of the worst trades in history, uh, giving up Austin Meadows, uh, Tyler Glasnow, Shane Baz, among others, for a pitcher that at the time, Chris Archer, was a decent enough starting pitcher, um, but their entire future then got laid to waste because all of those players ended up being very viable players. And at the time, how would you have known that, right? Uh, it's just like any other trade. You see the prospects and you're like, okay, that's all potential. These guys might not you know, make out to be anything. They might not pan out. Um, they might not live up to the potential, but all of them did. So looking back on that trade, it's something that the Pirates will always regret because that would be the one and two starter in the rotation as well as a solid outfield piece that they could have built around in Austin Meadows. So I hope that the Pirates learn their lesson eventually, but right now they're just continuing to give away players basically for free. Um, the reason why I had to go on that rant about the Pittsburgh Pirates is because they just upset me sometimes and I don't know if the reason they upset me this particular time is because they gave players away to the New York Mets or whatnot but uh it honestly was pretty annoying I was trying to think of a word to describe this so I noticed that this morning here there haven't been any trades yet so it's been really slow with the deadline and, and no teams are making any major moves usually that does happen in the afternoon so I figured I'd do just a short little recap of the things that have already happened and the first two moves on my list were the New York Mets um, taking players from the Pirates they took Daniel Vogelbach from the Pirates who was their starting first baseman for a relief pitch or yeah for a relief pitching prospect and then they were all also able to the next day take Michael Perez um, for cash. 
And Michael Perez is a solid enough catcher. He had a game earlier this season where he hit three home runs in a game, so he has that sneaky pop, a decent enough defensive catcher. Um, I just don't understand why the Pirates are giving their pieces away for free, but as I said, it's a yearly thing. It's an annual thing for the Pittsburgh Pirates to just give players away. The part that annoys me and is making me talk crap on the Pirates is the fact that it was the Mets that they're giving these players to. So right now, the Mets got better. Vogelbach's already made an impact. I don't really know what's going to happen with Michael Perez because the rumors are that the Mets are still going after Wilson Contreras and I do believe they have some okay catchers already uh, McCann and Nito and whoever else so the New York Mets were able to get better from these two trades and the Pirates really didn't get a whole lot of anything they got a pitching prospect and some cash so honestly it's just annoying to see this and uh, I'm not really sure what to think other than I think that the Pirates are just going to continue to sell out till the end of days I mean regardless of how good their prospect pool is if they keep giving players away for nothing they're not going to make any progress in their rebuild and they're going to be stuck rebuilding forever but the Pirates have a ridiculous load of talent in their organization I just wish they could use these trades to add to that talent instead of just handing players to a team like the New York Mets. And the Mets also are already making bigger moves as well on top of making that trade for uh, Michael Perez and uh, Daniel Vogelbach. They, a few days later, also made a trade with the Reds for Tyler Naquin. Uh, they were able to acquire outfielder Tyler Naquin and relief pitcher Philip Deal for second base prospect Hector Rodriguez and relief pitching prospect Jose Acuna. So the New York Mets are in business. Tyler Naquin is not a guy that's even going to start on that team. He is a guy that's going to be a depth outfielder. They already have their outfield set with Mark Kana, uh, Brandon Nimmo, and Starling Marte. Three solid enough outfielders. So for the New York Mets, they're making this move to add depth in case of any injuries, um, in case of just wanting to switch guys out. They don't necessarily have a full-time DH. Now they do, now that they have Vogelbach and Pete Alonso that can play first. So most likely Pete will get some days off and play DH. Vogelbach will get some DH time in as well. He's definitely their biggest power bat um, now with uh, Pete Alonso. So they have that kind of double threat where one will first base and one will DH. And now adding Naquin to that outfield adds a little bit of outfield depth for the New York Mets. And you can never have too much outfield depth. So for the Mets, they're clearly going all in. That's three trades that the New York Mets made in a matter of four, five, in about a week, they made three trades. That was before people actually started making trades. So the first official deadline deal was the Vogelbach trade to the Mets and then Perez to the Mets the next day. And then, if, and then the Benintendi trade to the Yankees, which... I don't even need to really discuss that one. And then obviously the Reds started making deals on the 28th where they traded uh, Naquin to the Mets. And then uh, we'll get into the other trade that they made uh, here at some point of this episode. Uh, but basically all you need to know is the New York Mets fully going all in, um, acquiring Daniel Vogelbach, acquiring uh, Michael Perez and also Tyler Naquin, and I do not believe the Mets are done. So the Mets are just going to continue to build onto this team that they are they are buyers. If, if no other team was a buyer and you look at the New York Mets, they are the biggest spenders. They In free agency and trades, they are not afraid to spend money. New York has money and they are not afraid to spend it. So that is the moral of the story. The Mets are just going to continue to improve. Braves and Phillies, they're going to have to keep up with the Mets spending big. So I said I wasn't going to talk about Andrew Benintendi. I'm still not going to talk about Andrew Benintendi. All I have to say about Andrew Benintendi is he's an all-star outfielder. He hits for average 
unlike all the rest of the Yankees outfielders that hit for power, he fits right into their lineup. Andrew Benintendi is everything that the Yankees are not right now. He adds a different element to their offense and helps that team in more ways than people realize. So I believe that the Andrew Benintendi trade was an A-plus for the New York Yankees, regardless of what they gave up. I'm a big Benintendi fan. I was hoping that we had him in Philly. But I am fine with him going to uh, the New York Yankees. I think it's a perfect fit for Benintendi. I think he's going to be very productive there. And that's really all there is to say about the Andrew Benintendi New York trade from a few days ago. Moving into another trade from a few days ago, and then I will be caught up to live time. Luis Castillo gets traded from the Cincinnati Reds to the Seattle Mariners. He was the big fish in the pond. He is the best pitcher available, even more so than Frankie Montes. He is the best pitcher available, the best pitcher that any team could have acquired at the deadline that was actually knowingly available for a trade. So the Reds get a heck of a package back. For Luis Castillo, but the Mariners, I almost said Mets because the Mets are spending all this money. The Mariners are obviously going all in. They have an unbelievable pitching staff as is, but this past offseason in free agency, they were able to acquire reigning Cy Young winner Robbie Ray. Has that paid off for them? Not really, but Robbie Ray is still the reigning Cy Young winner. So they got Robbie Ray, they got Logan Gilbert, and now you add in Luis Castillo, you basically have three number one pitchers now in Seattle. So good for the Seattle Mariners if they actually think they can contend this year and make the playoffs, which I was a believer from day one they would. This is what you do. You go out there, you get the big fish, you get rid of your prospects. Who cares about prospects if you're trying to win a World Series? So they go out there, they get their guy, Luis Castillo. He was the best pitcher on the market. He makes their team better. He helps them win. Now he's going to start playoff games for you. He's a top end of the rotation guy. And you're going to see exactly what he's made of when tomorrow he faces off against Garrett Cole. So there's proof in the pudding that Luis Castillo is going to be the ace for the Seattle Mariners. That's what they got him to be. And he's going to go up against the top guy for the other team like Garrett Cole. And every time that man takes the mound, you know you have a chance to win. So that's really all I have to say about Luis Castillo. The Mariners got the big fish in the pond. Good job, Seattle. I give that deal an A-. minus. The only reason it's an A- is because the one prospect I wouldn't have gave up was Noel V. Marte, and they did give him up in that deal. He is probably, I think, Seattle's top prospect, if not one of their top three prospects, because I know they got some really good pitchers like Emerson Hancock as well. But hopefully they don't trade Hancock, but I was hoping they wouldn't trade Marte either. So the fact that they had to get rid of Marte, I guess you got to do what you got to do to get a guy like Luis Castillo. Good job, Mariners. The Minnesota Twins just stole one of the best relievers on the market. Yes, Jorge Lopez. All-star closer for the Baltimore Orioles is headed to the Twin City. Oh, my. So, Jorge Lopez is an unbelievable talent. This guy has broke through the ceiling this year and been an absolute, I, I guess, just a surprise I know when they really expected him to be this good, but he broke out this year for Baltimore and has been literally an all-star. He literally was named to the all-star team. So Jorge Lopez is going to be an effective closer for the Twins who have had questions about their closer role all season long. Now the questions have been answered because they have Jorge Lopez. Jorge Lopez is a 
true closer, okay? This guy steps into this role for Baltimore this year, and he's a natural, okay? I don't even know how many... I don't remember him blowing any saves, so I don't know if he has or not, but he has been very effective this year. I've been following him all year, and he has been a very, very efficient closer. I, I think any team that was in the market for a reliever was probably at least taking a second look at this guy, and for him to go to the Minnesota Twins for a very minimal amount of uh, value here... I think the Twins won this trade a thousand percent. I mean, you're getting Jorge Lopez, and all you're giving up is Cade Pavich, pitching prospect, Yenier Cano, pitching prospect, Juan Rosas, pitching prospect, and Juan Nunez, pitching prospect. So four pitching prospects, the best of which was 22nd ranked in the Twins system, which was Cade Pavich. So they're not giving up any serious talent as far as prospects in their organization, and they are getting a premier closer in the league in Jorge Lopez. So this makes the Twins better. They're just barely clinging on to first place right now in the AL Central. So they need to make moves like this. And I think Jorge Lopez significantly improves the Minnesota Twins. The only issue that I have with this trade is Jorge Lopez. I don't know if he's going to be the closer because he was a closer in Baltimore. But for some reason, teams make these weird trades, and then the guy that they acquire doesn't even end up being that guy for them. Jorge Lopez more than deserves to be that guy, but the Twins have other guys in their bullpen that technically deserve that opportunity to be the closer. The first name that comes to mind for me is John Duran. Duran is a flamethrower. He throws over 100. He makes highlight reels by making hitters look silly and literally fall flat on their ass. So, Jan Duran is an unbelievable player, unbelievable talent in the bullpen. He throws ridiculously hard, and that's what people like to see. That's what they come to the ballpark to see. They want to see flamethrowers. And he's like a, a Rodas Chapman Jr. in his prime. He goes out there and he just mows people down. So if anybody deserves to be a closer and get that opportunity, which he has yet to get, it's Duran. Originally, they were letting Pagan close games, Emilio Pagan. He was terrible at it. So they took him out of the role, and then they had an open spot at closer. And I honestly, just like everyone else, thought Duran would be that guy. Now that they made the trade for Jorge Lopez, does that mean Jorge Lopez is that guy? Or does Duran still get his shot to close games for the Minnesota Twins? So... It kind of creates a lot of question marks, but it's a good problem to have, to have multiple guys that can close out games for you. Because more often than not, you're going to need more than one guy that can close out a game. So Jorge Lopez, a proven closer, having a heck of a year. Great trade for the Minnesota Twins. Baltimore, you did not get enough to give up your closer. Okay, this team, Baltimore, has been a surprise this year. Jorge Lopez is one of the main reasons why. There were very little question marks in that Baltimore bullpen because Jorge Lopez has been lights out all season long. So Baltimore... Finally has a chance to make the playoffs. They're only a few games out, and they're trading away all their players. So clearly Baltimore is thinking, okay, we might be able to make the playoffs this year, but are we going to win a World Series? The answer to that question is absolutely not. So Baltimore is still building for the future to make their team even better for in a few years whenever they might actually be title contenders. Because for Baltimore, making the playoffs isn't enough. They've been rebuilding so long that it doesn't even matter if they made the playoffs they want to chip. They want to go deep. So if this team's not going to take them deep and they don't want to be buyers, they might as well just reload and get ready for in a few years when this team is ready to go, when Adley Rushman's in his prime, um, and when this team can actually compete for a title. The Toronto Blue Jays are acquiring Anthony Bass and Zach Pop, relief pitchers from the Miami Marlins in exchange for infield prospect Jordan Groshans. He was one of the top prospects in 
the uh, Blue Jays organization. They traded him away to the Miami Marlins in exchange for two mid-tier relief pitchers. Anthony Bass actually had some closer experience earlier this season for the Marlins. There was a time where he was their best relief pitcher. And uh, Zach Pop has been pretty good as well this year. So if we look at the stats by the numbers, Anthony Bass is pitching a 1-4-1 ERA this season. That is lights out for Anthony Bass. And Zach Pop is pitching to a 3-6 ERA. But <clears throat> he's a guy that, uh, you know, you can get an inning out of. And when he's, you know, healthy, he's a pretty valuable option in the bullpen. So a 25-year-old and uh, Bass more of a veteran. The reliever is, is just 34 years old. I think Bass is definitely the better of the two. But uh, only having to give up one prospect. Yes, it is a top prospecting organization. But bullpen help is hard to find. And if you're a team that expects to go deep in the playoffs and win down the stretch, the more bullpen arms, the more quality bullpen arms you have, the better. So I think this is a great deal for Toronto getting uh, two pretty good relievers, Bass being the better of the two. But Bass could actually be a setup man down the stretch for the Blue Jays. He actually might be their second best reliever behind Jordan Romano. And seeing how many saves and situations have been blown up against the uh, Blue Jays this season, I think this is a more surefire way to uh, bolster your roster. And uh, the bullpen is obviously a place that if, if you can sure it up, you got to sure it up. So given this opportunity to take this trade and only give up one prospect for two quality bullpen arms, I think that's a great deal. So good job by the uh, Toronto Blue Jays to go out there and get what they needed. They knew they needed bullpen help um, for their team to be more successful down the stretch, and they got that. And they really only had to give up one prospect. The only reason I'm going to give this trade a B is because that is a top prospect. It's, I, th I believe he was ranked number three in the Blue Jays organization. It's still a prospect, though, so it's not that big of a deal. But that was one of their better, more promising young players in their organization. So the Marlins made out there getting that prospect, but... I mean, I guess the Marlins aren't really going to try to go for the playoff spot then because they were right out of the picture there, uh, right in the bubble with a chance to make a run at the postseason this year, and they just didn't do it. Instead, they're trading away their bullpen arms and uh, letting these other teams compete, probably because there are three teams in the Marlins division better than them, that being the Phillies, the Mets, and the Braves. So I think they're a little bit intimidated to be buyers at the deadline, knowing that that could bite them in the rear end. So good job by the Toronto Blue Jays to shore up your bullpen, and the Miami Marlins clearly sellers this year at the trade deadline. I waited. I waited and waited and waited and waited to announce this one because I was convinced that Eric Hosmer was going to veto the whole trade. Instead, they just took him out of the equation. The trade is still going to go through. It is reported and almost confirmed at this point because the only holdup was Hosmer at that time that the San Diego Padres have acquired Juan Soto and Josh Bell from the Washington Nationals in exchange for Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, Robert Hassel, James Wood, and Harlan Susana. This deal is amazing for both sides. This means these Padres are now a perennial World Series contender and the Nationals are going to be 
loaded in about two to three seasons if any of these prospects amount to what they are expected to amount to. These aren't just regular prospects as we're looking at the prospect rankings uh, for the MLB. These are all top prospects, like high-end players. So the fact that the Nationals are going to get back all of this talent. Mackenzie Gore has shown some promise at the MLB level. C.J. Abrams can be an everyday shortstop for a team. Hassel and Wood in the outfield. And Susana. I mean, this is wild. This is wild. So, this trade is the biggest trade of the day. It's all anyone's talking about, obviously. We were all waiting to see what was going to happen with Juan Soto. Well, now we know. Now we know what happened with Juan Soto. Juan Soto is going to be going to the San Diego Padres. Their lineup is now arguably one of the top most loaded lineups in baseball. And as I said, they are a World Series contender. They're not just a playoff team now. They are going to be a ridiculously talented an effective squad moving down the stretch. Their pitching staff was already, in my opinion, the best pitching staff in all of baseball. So then they go out there, they get Josh Hader yesterday, and now they get Juan Soto and Josh Bell? I mean, the Padres mean business. The Padres are not messing around, okay? They know exactly what they needed to do in order to compete with teams like the Dodgers they went out there and they made the biggest splash that they could possibly make. So, good job, San Diego Padres. I mean, truly. Juan Soto is a generational talent, and now they can just slot him in there with a lineup that already has Manny Machado and then soon Fernando Tatis Jr. when he comes back from injury, and they've been playing all year at a playoff level without Fernando Tatis Jr. So now that you add Fernando into the equation and Juan Soto and Josh Bell, this team is going to be borderline unstoppable. So the San Diego Padres have just made a significant impact on the playoff landscape for the rest of the league, and other teams have been put on notice. This is a, this is a team and a lineup to be feared. They had the pitching rotation already, but now they have the bullpen and the, um, the, the hitters to boot. I mean, this is unbelievable what they just did. So, yes, they gave up some of their best possible prospects they could have given up. Unbelievable amount of talent over to Washington. But, the the I mean, they're going to reap the benefits from Juan Soto. I mean, it's you can't question his talent. You can't t- question his ability. If this man stays healthy, he is going to make as big of an impact as you can make on your, on your ball club. So, I think this is a crazy good deal for both sides. The Nationals clearly in rebuild mode, one of the worst teams in baseball. They needed to build for the future. Soto wanted out, so they got what they could get, and it is an absolute haul. So this is a mega deal. Both sides are going to reap the benefits. Uh, The Nationals, Mackenzie Gore, when he's healthy, he's probably going to pitch for them this year, just like Josiah Gray did for them last year uh, when they acquired him from the Dodgers. So you can kind of start to get a feel of what the Nationals are going to look like in a few years. They got Gray, and now they have Gore. Those are going to be their top two pitchers for years to come. They already have Ruiz behind the plate from last year's deal. And now they're going to have C.J. Abrams at shortstop. And hopefully Wood and Hassel become studs in the MLB level and can be the outfielders to take the place of Soto. 
So great job by the uh, San Diego Padres to just give up what they needed to give up and get their guy because they've been trying to get Soto forever. So now they finally have it, and Tatis Jr. is finally doing live batting practice and stuff lately. So you get Tatis back in the lineup and you put Soto and Bell in there, that is a completely different team. So San Diego, as I said, is putting the league on notice with this mega deal, and um, they should be one of the favorites to go all the way and win it all this year after that trade so top-notch trade by the san diego padres and uh good job washington nationals capitalizing on juan soto uh his i mean inevitable departure uh and then the other part to this which isn't as significant is that eric hosmer almost vetoed the trade essentially said that he wasn't going to washington they turn around and trade him to the boston red sox so now eric hosmer is going to be the starting first baseman for boston which is definitely an upgrade for them i don't know how the financials lay out but what i understood was that uh hosmer's making way too much money so they had to kind of move out some money to be able to take on the contracts of Soto and Bell. So the only option for that trade to go through was for San Diego to get rid of Hosmer. And Boston gladly took Eric Hosmer, and now they have a new first baseman that can help them down the stretch if they're actually trying to contend. So the additions of Tommy Pham and um, the trading of Christian Vasquez, it's starting to make a little bit more sense now for uh, the Red Sox. Obviously, they're not giving up per se, but we do still believe that J.D. Martinez will be traded today. So possibly Fam was just a replacement for J.D. Martinez so that they still had a decent enough um, player in the outfield in that position, losing out on uh, J.D. Martinez, who's been an impact bat for them. So the Red Sox are obviously still in the mix. They're not giving up, but uh, they're definitely not a, a solid team. I mean, I think they might maybe be able to sweep into the playoffs, but uh, you're not going to see what you saw last year out of the Red Sox either way. So they were able to get Hosmer just to be first base for them, but uh, that's pretty much all. So for the Padres, Hosmer on his way out, heads to Boston where they needed a first baseman, and uh, San Diego gets Juan Soto and uh, Josh Bell. So absolutely insane that this happened, but the Padres, unreal, unreal. I mean, most people are just speechless at this point because this lineup is, it couldn't get much more loaded than that. So props to the Padres for going and getting their guy. And uh, let's see what happens moving here on out for the rest of the day. Josh Bell. I just need to take a minute to acknowledge this man, okay? Josh Bell started his career with the Pittsburgh Pirates, okay? He felt like garbage whenever they shipped him off to Washington for almost nothing and just said, here you go, Josh, here's a new team, even though you were a top prospect in the organization and starting to really be an all-star player for us. Let's just give you to some garbage team after they're rebuilding after winning a World Series and just let you suffer for the next however many years, just like you were going to suffer in our organization. Josh Bell has been given a golden opportunity, a golden opportunity to be part of something way bigger. This team, the San Diego Padres team, is, is literally destined for greatness, and Josh Bell is one of the main reasons why. People are giving Soto all this love, as they should. He's a generational talent, but Josh Bell might be the quietest 300 hitter I've ever seen. He is quietly having one of the best statistical seasons out of all the first basemen in Major League Baseball. This was literally the best first baseman on the market. And he wasn't even on the market, really, until they were like, okay, let's include Josh Bell in the deal. He's a switch-hitting first baseman that's athletic enough to play outfield, and he can hit 300 and for power against righties and lefties because he hits from both sides of the plate. How much more value do you need? 
Josh Bell is going to be a key piece for the San Diego Padres down the stretch. And this guy is an unbelievable baseball player, and people are not giving him enough credit. Josh Bell is just as important in this deal for this particular season as Juan Soto. Soto is more of a future piece as well, but... Juan Soto and Josh Bell will have a huge impact this season. Bell, as of now, is just a rental for this season, but people are not giving him enough credit for how good he actually is and how much he is going to impact this team. Do you remember, now if you watched a little bit of Padres baseball earlier this season, Eric Hosmer, when he started this season, was scorching hot. Without Tatis in the lineup and with Manny Machado holding down the fort, that addition of a first baseman that could actually hit meant wonders to that San Diego team and they were doing very much better what much much better when Hosmer was hitting than when they when he stopped hitting Josh Bell is not streaky like Eric Hosmer he didn't have a uh a hot start that was just a complete fluke and completely tail off just because it was one of those blunders that just happened okay the underlying stats behind Hosmer's hot start actually said that he would cool off very quickly Josh Bell is not that same player. Josh Bell actually can hit, and he is not streaky. Josh Bell actually can hit for 300 in a major league season, and he probably will this year. So putting him in this lineup, having a guy like Juan Soto and a guy like Manny Machado and then a guy like Tatis, Josh Bell is protected from the top to the bottom. They have to pitch to him. So this guy's going to finish the year over 300, and at this point, now that they really have to pitch to him, the, the projected lineup, the top four, is going to be Tatis, Soto, Machado, and Bell. I mean, you cannot get many more RBI opportunities than having two of the best on-base guys in all of baseball hitting in front of you. So Josh Bell's looking at a 300 season with over 100 RBIs. That is, uh, I mean, props to Josh Bell. I mean, Josh Bell's stats at the end of the season are going to get Josh Bell a lot of money, I'll tell you. Because when he's a free agent at the end of the year everybody's going to want Josh Bell. So do not sleep on Josh Bell. Yes, they acquired Juan Soto, but Josh Bell is a key part of that trade. And you guys need to start acknowledging how good and how important this guy can be to San Diego down the stretch. Thank you. Joey Gallo traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers from the New York Yankees. And here's the funny part. So last year or years before now, whenever Joey Gallo actually looked like a decent baseball player, this would have been something people were like going crazy about. But do you realize how bad Joey Gallo is? This dude can't even hit 200. Okay, yeah, he used to have streaky pop. Did you realize that every single one of his home runs went to the same spot and was dependent on him being able to pull the ball to the short part of the ballpark because he's terrible? This guy is ridiculously bad. Like, I'm telling you, he actually probably can't even hit 200. And he he gets a lot of walks, but not near as many as the Joey Gallo once did. So Joey Gallo's prime was him hitting like 250 with like, what, 30-something bombs? That's the best he could do. He, he peaked. He peaked batting 250 with like 30-plus bombs. So Joey Gallo now probably can barely touch 20 bombs, and he could not even hit 200. So what my understanding was, the uh, Yankees are actually retaining part of Gallo's salary, based on what I read, and the Dodgers are essentially being paid to take Joey Gallo. The prospect that... Uh, they were given is actually not that good. 
Uh, he's a guy that's ranked was ranked 15 in the Dodgers minor league system, according to Baseball America, and he has struggled at double A. He's barely maintaining an ERA under six at double A. So this guy doesn't have a whole lot of potential is what I'm getting from that. So essentially, the Dodgers got to free Joey Gallo. But what is Joey Gallo going to do for you? He's not going to make your team better in any way, shape, or form. If anything, he makes your team worse. So the Yankees, in my opinion, are winning this trade by getting rid of Gallo and making room for somebody else. Was it them making room for Benintendi, who they already got, who's amazing and a lefty bat? Or are they trying to make room for somebody else? I don't know. But keep an eye on the Yankees, because clearly the Yankees know what they're doing and the Dodgers do not. The Dodgers have not made any moves. They missed out on uh, everything that's happened so far, and they just missed out on Juan Soto, who they were reportedly interested in. So last year, when the Dodgers got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, and the Padres missed out on Max Scherzer, now the Padres are the ones that get um, Juan Soto and Josh Bell, and the Dodgers are the ones missing out. Mind blown. The Philadelphia Phillies have started making moves here on the uh, August 2nd trade deadline. They recently just acquired center fielder Brandon Marsh from the Los Angeles Angels in exchange for catching prospect Logan Ohapi. And they also acquired uh, David Robertson from the Cubs for a pitching prospect in Ben Brown. So the Phillies giving up minimal prospects, but also uh, Logan Ohapi was a very promising young catching prospect. Only problem is he's blocked by JT Real Muto, so probably wouldn't be needed at the MLB level for quite some time. And if he was, then he would be a backup, and that's not good for a young catcher to just sit and watch. Um, it's always good to have two good catchers but if you're going to have two good catchers and JT's your main guy and one of the best catchers in baseball you don't need a good young catcher at this moment in time that's not to say they won't draft another good young catcher but the with Hoppy's timeline he is destined to come up to the big leagues fairly quickly uh compared to uh some other catching prospects so the Phillies can afford to get rid of their third best prospect in their organization in Logan Ohoppy the reason why it is worth it is also because they were able to make their team better so Brandon Marsh is a player that is still very young, very talented, and can still improve at the major league level. He's already at the major league level, but can continue to get better. And he can slot right in there at center field because he's an excellent, excellent defensive player. And he also has a really good bat. I mean, he's had some streaky streaks here this season where he's looked really good uh, swinging the bat. So it is possible that the Phillies really won this trade with the Los Angeles Angels uh, getting uh, Brandon Marsh to slot in there at center field because that's one of the main needs for the Phillies heading into this deadline was a center fielder, specifically a good defensive center fielder. Marsh fits that build, and he's also a very good hitter. Uh, he, I, I just, I love the move for Philadelphia. Brandon Marsh is a perfect. Um, and then they actually DFA'd Odubel Herrera long, not long after. So that's where the roster spot came in. Um, so they got rid of Herrera and were able to replace him with Brandon Marsh, who is a much better player defensively and offensively. And I think he's going to get a lot of playing time for Philly. I think he's going to slot right in there between Castellanos and Schwarber at the corner outfield slots. And then Matt Veerling will become more of a utility player all around. Uh, so as far as offense, I don't think the Phillies really have any other needs on offense. I think really all we need to address at this point is pitching. But uh, they did a great job picking up uh, a quality center fielder in Brandon Marsh. And also helping the bullpen by getting Cubs closer David Robertson. Robertson was on the Phillies before and was honestly a really promising player. But uh, injury woes kept him out of the Phillies' bullpen, and now we brought him back. So once a Philly, always a Philly. We were able to get David Robinson back to Philly, and uh, 
He's going to be fighting for us here down the stretch, probably one of our most reliable relievers in the bullpen as of right now. So we're all praying that the roster spot that he takes is Yuri's Familia's because he's the worst relief pitcher I've ever seen in my entire life. So if the Phillies DFA Yuri's Familia to make room for David Robertson, it would make this deadline day that much better for the Philadelphia Phillies. And with more to come at this point, um, that the Phillies could possibly make some more moves uh, in the next few hours as well. The Cincinnati Reds are officially sellers. We already knew that, but they just traded away two of their best and most valuable players. They traded Tyler Malley to the Minnesota Twins. Tyler Malley is going to be one of the top uh, rotation pitchers for the uh, Minnesota Twins heading into the latter half of the season with them trying to cling on to that one-game lead uh, in the AL Central. Uh, it's going to be a big, big impact move down the stretch because Tyler Malley has the potential to be one of the better pitchers in baseball. And he was definitely one of the better pitchers on the market today uh, for teams to go after and for the Twins to make that kind of splash after they already went and stole Jorge Lopez from the Orioles. That's proof that they were just trying to improve this pitching staff. And uh, uh, try to just have a team that was able to compete going down the stretch because there are teams like the White Sox that are right on their tail and the Guardians, and I just feel like they did what they had to do to bolster that pitching rotation and that bullpen all within the day. I mean, they're getting two all-star caliber players in Jorge Lopez and Tyler Malley. Malley is going to be a, t- a top-of-the-rotation kind of guy. Uh, honestly, one of the top five pitchers that was available heading into today. Uh, statistically, he's an unbelievable talent. Uh, he's been consistent throughout his career for the Cincinnati Reds. He's been on the Reds his entire career, and now he's finally going to get a chance to experience a winning culture in Minnesota that they've been trying to establish ever since the signing of Carlos Correa. So I'm looking forward to seeing what a healthy Byron Buxton, um, a a healthy, hopefully healthy Carlos Correa, who has playoff experience and a team that has improved pitching rotation and bullpen depth heading into the uh, latter half of the season and the postseason. But I think the Malley move, uh, they traded three prospects. They were all top 25 prospects in the Twins organization in exchange for Tyler Malley, but I think that's totally worth it. I give that deal an A+, 100% all the way, because Tyler Malley is going to be that guy for Minnesota, and he's easily going to be one of the top pitchers in the rotation. Um, him and Sonny Gray, you know, they played together in, in Cincinnati and now they're going over to uh, Minnesota and they're going to be uh, kind of rotation buddies. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out for Minnesota. But I do see Mally succeeding uh, in his role with the Twins. The only issues Mally has had in his career were whenever he was pitching at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. So now that he gets to pitch outside of Cincinnati for his home games, I think his stats are even going to get better. So I would expect big things from Tyler Malley, and I I really like that trade for the Minnesota Twins. Now, I said the Reds are sellers because not too long after I heard about the Malley deal, they traded another player, Brandon Drury. They traded Brandon Drury to the San Diego Padres. So the Padres just keep piling on to their ridiculous load of talent. I have no idea what they even gave up. Let me look it up real quick. So they traded Brandon Drury to the Padres for an infielding prospect, Victor Acosta. So one prospect in exchange for an all-star level infielder, Brandon Drury. 
I mean, this is unbelievable. He's a utility player that can play anywhere. If you value that as much as I do, I think that's unbelievable. Because now they have Drury and uh, Jake Cronenworth who can both just move around the infield and even play corner outfield spots if they have to. This is unbelievable for the for this, uh, San Diego Padres. This is the definition of going all in at the trade deadline. They acquire... Josh Hader yesterday, then they acquire Juan Soto, then they acquire Josh Bell, and now they acquire Brandon Drury? This entire team is just made up of all-stars at this point, and everybody should be scared of the San Diego Padres. If they weren't already, you just added Brandon Drury, who's having a career year. He's one of the better power hitters they have in their lineup now. And I don't even care where you play everybody because, I mean, having this much talent is a great problem to have. So props to the San Diego Padres to capitalizing on yet another value asset in Brandon Drury who can really help you down the line, especially if there's an unforeseen injury that happens. Brandon Drury can immediately slot in first base, second base, uh, third base, maybe even shortstop. Who knows? Corner outfield. Brandon Drury can play anywhere. So having him and Cronenworth as utility players is huge for San Diego going down the stretch, especially if you're trying to manage a player's playing time and all of that stuff. So props to the San Diego Padres. Love that move for Brandon Drury. I give it an A++. Big Brandon Drury fan. So very, very solid trading by the San Diego Padres and the Minnesota Twins uh, to get Tyler Maui. So the Reds selling their top-notch players uh, to the teams that need them the most, and uh, these players are going to be impact players moving down the stretch. So keep an eye out uh, for any other uh, players on the Cincinnati Reds that they could move for some more prospects for their pool. Noah Thor Syndergaard, starting pitcher from the Los Angeles Angels, is coming to Philadelphia to be our number three starter in the rotation behind Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. We now have, according to Fangraphs, the number one pitching rotation in the National League. And all we had to give up for Syndergaard was former number one pick Mickey Moniak, who has never amounted to shit, and another outfielding prospect in Jadiel Sanchez. So, two outfielding prospects for four. Unbelievable trade. It is amazing. A+. The A stands for amazing. The Phillies did what they said they were going to do. The rumors were that they were not done. They addressed their defensive needs at center field. They even improved offensively. By acquiring Brandon Marsh. Then they go out there and get one of the best relievers that were on the market in David Robertson to beef the bullpen that already had seven or eight steady arms. And now you have Noah Syndergaard who can slot in as your number three starter. And the Phillies now, on paper, as I said, have the best rotation in the National League and a playoff caliber team, 100%. There's no one that is going to doubt this team any longer. The talent is there. The construct is there. They just have to perform to the level that they can. Nick Castellanos has been a severe disappointment this season. If any of these acquisitions or all of these acquisitions are also disappointments, or if there's a setback in Bryce Harper's recovery from his injury, The Phillies will not be a playoff team. But 
if all goes well and if all goes as expected, which is a pretty low percentage chance, the Phillies could see themselves snapping that playoff drought that has plagued us as Philadelphia sports fans for the last 10 plus seasons. We are excited to finally break that drought and start contending again for championships because that is what we do. Phillies are willing to spend money. They're willing to go out there and fill the needs that they need to fill in order to have a contending ball club. There are too many teams out there that are not willing to pay the price for success, but the Phillies have never been one of those teams, and they are proving it by making moves like this today, and we will see in the long run if they do indeed pay off. But good job, Philadelphia, for acquiring Noah Syndergaard, and as I said earlier, David Robertson and Brandon Marsh are also coming to Philadelphia thanks to the 2022 trade deadline. I was a little skeptical when I saw that the Atlanta Braves had traded away Will Smith, and that was mentioned earlier in this compilation of clips. But Atlanta one-upped Will Smith by acquiring Rysel Iglesias, closer for the Los Angeles Angels. Obviously, he will not be the closer in Atlanta. The closer is still Kenley Jansen. But adding a talented arm such as Rysel Iglesias in exchange for Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson is a heck of a trade for the Atlanta Braves. And they're able to bolster that already beautiful bullpen that they have built. And a bullpen that was able to uh, annihilate teams last season in the playoff run and World Series that the Atlanta Braves were able to win. If anything... They have improved from last year in the bullpen category. Uh, Their bullpen has been one of the most impressive in National League and one of the most impressive in baseball all year long. Adding an arm like Rysel Iglesias only makes them stronger, and I fully endorse the Atlanta Braves doing this. Um, I don't think it was a steep price to pay at all. You're trading a veteran and a guy that really hasn't added up to much in Tucker Davidson, and you're getting one of the best closers in the league in Rysel Iglesias. Uh, Obviously, he's had a down year uh, compared Comparing it to last year, last year he was lights out, but it's still Rysel Iglesias. He's still madly talented, and he's still a lockdown reliever that Atlanta can use in high leverage situations. And we love high leverage relievers. So Atlanta did what they had to do to improve their team. As I said, skeptical about Will Smith being traded away, but I think they want up to Will Smith in a way where Rysel Iglesias is actually a way better reliever than Will Smith. So as long as Rysel Iglesias uh, finds a fit there in Atlanta, it took Kenley Jansen a couple appearances to get going, but he's got plenty of time to figure it out before the playoffs come. And I think I really like this move for Atlanta. I give it a B plus uh, getting Rysel Iglesias because there is that uncertainty that he will not come back to form and be that reliever that they're expecting to get. But the price wasn't steep enough for it to be a bad trade. So I still give it a B plus. Um, Atlanta knows what they're doing. Um, they didn't make any other huge moves, but uh, Atlanta did make the little moves that could end up paying dividends uh, down the stretch. So Atlanta and Philly both just kind of went the safe route, didn't give up too many prospects, didn't give up any huge prospects, but were able to improve their team uh, moving forward for the rest of the season. So props to Atlanta for acquiring Rysel Iglesias, and I mean, hopefully that deal works out for Atlanta. Uh, I really do think that Riceville can bounce back, especially a change of scenery can always be helpful. Uh, now that he's on a contending team, there's just going to be a little bit more pressure on him, and hopefully he can right the ship this season and be one of the more reliable relievers in that bullpen for the Atlanta Braves.
Staying with the NL East, the strongest division in baseball, um, the New York Mets continued to spend big. I mean, we knew that going into the season with how much they spent in free agency, but they've continued that by acquiring um, pretty significant players here at the trade deadline uh, before they go on this playoff run that they so hope to do. Uh, the Atlanta, the uh, Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies both made some acquisitions, but none of that is going to be even close to what the Mets have done over the past few days, few weeks. Um, today, they made two more trades that I would consider significant trades that I just want to mention here in this uh, trade deadline special episode of Sports Bar Jockeys. Uh, the New York Mets are my least favorite team. That's no secret. But I can admit when the New York Mets make good trades or good moves or good signings. And um, I'm not blind to that fact that they did a couple of those again today. So the New York Mets were able to acquire, first off, this didn't happen first in timeline order, but I'm just kind of just throwing all this content together. They acquired Michael Givens. He's a relief pitcher from the Chicago Cubs, and they traded a pitching prospect, Saul Gonzalez, in exchange for that Michael Givens. I was actually hoping that the Phillies would acquire Michael Givens when I heard they got Robertson. I thought that maybe that Givens might have been bundled in with Robertson, but that was not the case, and the Mets got their hands on Michael Givens. Michael Givens is a pretty solid reliever. He's a veteran. He's a great pitcher, and uh, he's reliable. He, you know, being a veteran, uh, going to a winning team uh, where, you know, you're actually playing for something, it actually does do something for the psyche. And I do believe that uh, Michael Givens will be an effective reliever uh, down the stretch for the New York Mets. So I think it's going to be an underrated deal considering how little they had to give up to get a guy like Givens. And I do think he's a mid to high level reliever um, and can pitch in pretty serious situations in games and hold leads, whatever they need him to do. I don't think he's going to be closing games because they got Edwin Diaz, but I do believe that uh, Michael Givens is one of the top at least five, probably three relievers on that Mets staff now that they, they you know, would add him. Uh, the other deal that is going to pay dividends for the Mets, I truly believe, and it's going to go under the radar a little bit, is when they acquired Darren Ruff from the uh, – San Francisco Giants. Now, I know Darren Ruff a little bit more than some other people might because he used to be a Philadelphia Philly, if you guys don't know that. Um, he was really cool. I was always a fan of Darren Ruff. He didn't really get that good until he left Philly, but I did see the uh, you know potential in Darren Ruff back when he was a Philly. So he was with the Phillies, and obviously he just came from the Giants and now went to the New York Mets. The Mets are basically collecting first basemen at this point. Um, they already had Pete Alonso, who's a top one of the top first basemen in the league. They then acquired Daniel Vogelbach from the Pirates for basically nothing, and then they just got Darren Ruff as well. So they're just collecting first basemen at this point. Now, Ruff, I, I do believe he could play some multiple positions. I don't think it'd be... Um, foreign to say that he could possibly play in a corner outfield spot uh, if he needs to or possibly play DH. Um, Daniel Vogelbach is more or less a DH. I don't think you're going to see Vogelbach going and play an outfield. Darren Ruff, slightly more athletic. I do believe he could play a corner outfield spot if he had to. He is uh, going to the Mets in exchange for J.D. Davis, who has been struggling for the Mets, uh, hasn't really ever found his footing this year, and he was kind of supposed to be trading off days um, you know, to get some playing time with some other players on that team. Uh, so the fact that they just kind of traded him away, Darren Ruff's taking his spot on that roster. Uh, Nick Zwack, it's a starting pitcher. I'm guessing he's a, a prospect. Carson Seymour and Thomas Sapuki. So all of them are 
are prospects and none of them significant names other than J.D. Davis and he's still not very significant so the Giants are kind of just getting rid of Darren Ruff and the Mets are just keep adding to their arsenal of sluggers that uh, play primarily first base so I, I do think it's a good move for the Mets because Ruff is a guy that can actually come off the bench and be a ridiculously effective pinch hitter if you need him to come in and have a big at bat for you late in games I think that's pretty much what they were seeing there in Darren Ruff he's been playing very good as of late so you could see him kind of as an everyday bat in the lineup some days possibly you know given um Pete Alonso a break but you also want to get Vogelbach in there so now you can kind of do a rotation of three and Pete Alonso really doesn't have to pay, play every day for you now because you're going to be able to rotate in two other guys that are very competent at either first base or DH in Vogelbach and Ruff so the reason for having three first basemen, I really don't know, but uh, the Mets clearly have something going for them, and I think they know what they're doing because they have made some really uh, interesting signings, but all f- so far have paid off, You know, especially with the free agency they did last year. None of it really made sense until they started going out on the field and winning ball games. So, And that's really what tells you if it's uh, the right move or not is, are you winning? You know, Success does give you justification for the moves that you make and the decisions you make um, in the front office. So the Mets clearly are doing something right. They're one of the best records. I won't say one of the best teams, one of the best records in baseball. I do not think they're as good as their record, but that's just me being slightly biased. I can admit that they're a good team. And they're most likely going to make the playoffs as much as I don't want them to. So as I said earlier in this episode, I do just hope that they get knocked out in the first round. And that will be the icing on the cake for me that the Mets would go out there and spend all that money and just lose in the first round. So good moves, though, by the New York Mets getting Givens, a relief pitcher, uh, and also Darren Ruff uh, from the Giants. Another key trade from today uh, at the trade deadline, and this one's a little bit of a head-scratcher. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays acquired utility player Whit Merrifield from the Kansas City Royals in exchange for Samad Taylor and Max Castillo, both prospects. Um, The Blue Jays, yes. I do believe they got better with this trade. Obviously, a little bit deeper lineup with this trade. With Merrifield, the only question I have is where is this man going to play? Okay, their lineup is pretty much all right-handers. Uh, so they don't really have a lot of lefty bats. I thought that if they were going to add, they were going to add a lefty bat. But they add another righty. Um, he's a similar... I don't even know what comparison to make to Whit Merrifield because he does get you bags. He plays solid defense. He can move around. He can hit for a good average. Not as much anymore as he used to, but he's still a solid veteran player. He's just a good baseball player. Okay, He's a guy that can do everything right, all the little things. He's a former all-star. Santiago Aspinall wishes he was Whit Merrifield, essentially is what I'm getting at. And that's their current second baseman is Santiago Aspinall. He was an all-star this year. Uh, That's mainly because of the fan vote. If you look at the numbers, he definitely wasn't the best second baseman or even one of the best second basemen in the American League. But because of the fan vote and a whole country backing one single team in Canada, that's why he's an all-star. So in reality, yes, Whit Merrifield is the better option at second base. But wouldn't it be a little bit disrespectful to take Santiago out of the lineup and just put Whit Merrifield in there at second base and expect Santiago to be a backup after he was just an all-star? I just don't know what the Blue Jays are going to do. It is a good problem to have to have too much depth. So they're going to be 
better safe than sorry acquiring Whit Merrifield and possibly being able to use him down the down the stretch or down the line to manage other players' playing time or just fill voids in their lineup. Whatever, it's always good to have a utility player. But at the same time, it's like I don't. I, I just don't know. I just it's the head scratcher. It's just a head scratcher. So. We'll see how it pans out for Toronto, but I guess I can't really see a way that it doesn't pan out because it's Whit Merrifield, you know. It's a guy that everyone wishes they had on their team because he's just a guy that can play anywhere and, and just do the job, you know. He's a good defensive player wherever you put him. He's a great base runner. He used to be one of the best base dealers in the league. I don't know if he's still that good, I would say, but he still can get you a bag, you know, he can play that small ball and uh, get you a base knock when you need it, uh, he can hit for a little bit of power, I mean, Whit Merrifield does a little bit of everything, and that's the kind of guy you want, a utility player that can do a little bit of everything, and I do believe that's the same concept that the Padres were thinking when they acquired Brandon Drury, because they didn't necessarily need anybody for any specific position, but just to make their overall lineup a little bit deeper and have a guy that can move around, play wherever they need, give a guy a day off, or if they have an injury, um, God forbid, like then they have somebody that they can throw in there and play any position. So the Blue Jays are just playing it safe. They're, they were t- taking the talent that was available to them and acquiring it so that if they are going to go on a run, they have a guy like Witt that can go in and play second base, that can go out there and play outfield, they can move around and play the positions that they need him to play in order for this team to be able to compete at a high level. And I do believe it's the same thing that the Padres are thinking when they got Brandon Drury. It's not a need. It's merely a luxury to have a guy like that on your team that can either come off the bench or just slot in wherever you need him to play on the field. It's a great problem to have to not know who's starting to have that much talent on your roster. The Whit Merrifield trade for the Toronto Blue Jays and Kansas City Royals was one of the two buzzer-beating deals that came in within the last few minutes of the trade deadline. The other buzzer-beating deal, another head-scratcher, get that, is the New York Yankees and the St. Louis Cardinals. The New York Yankees traded starting pitcher, actual MLB-level starting pitcher Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals in exchange for outfielder Harrison Bader. Yeah, that happened. It did. The Yankees traded one of their actual good starting pitchers. Now, he has been struggling a lot lately. I can't say anything good about Jordan Montgomery right now because of how bad he's been for the last, I don't know, at least week, week and a half, two weeks. So his last three starts were so bad, I didn't even know he was the same guy that I saw at the beginning of the season. I mean, truly. Um, he had flashes, okay? He had those innings where it was like, man, you're shut down. You're locked down. You know, you're doing your job. And then he just falls apart. And it just keeps happening time and time again. The consistency is not there. Not even close. So the Yankees are thinking to themselves, okay, now is a good time. His stats are so good. Maybe we can just pawn him off to a team that's desperate for a starting pitcher and improve another position that we really need and uh, let Frankie Montes take that man's spot in the rotation. And I think that's really what they did. They traded Jordan Montgomery to a team, the Cardinals, that was desperate for starting pitching. Desperate. And he was one of the only ones on the market. There were too many guys that came off the market last minute or the asking, asking price was just too high and teams weren't willing to pay for guys like Carlos Rodon. 
So guys like Lopez, Pablo Lopez were getting taken off the market because teams were like, oh, we have a few more years of control. Uh, the Marlins were like, let's just keep Pablo. And then teams like the Giants were like, okay, we want this much for Carlos Rodon. We're not going to budge. And no team was willing to pay the astronomical price for Carlos Rodon, regardless of if he's a top five, top 10 pitcher in baseball. So teams weren't willing to pay and teams weren't willing to settle. That's why the Cardinals got Jordan Montgomery because the Yankees were willing to settle. They were willing to pawn off a piece that they had a luxury of starting pitchers. They were willing to pawn off one of theirs in exchange for a team need. Now, it wasn't a pure need, but they are trying to manage Aaron Judge. And having Aaron Judge playing in center field is just not good for the New York Yankees. Yes, he can do it. But down the stretch, he's bound to start wearing down. If he can play a corner outfield slot every once in a while or most days, it is going to help tremendously to manage his workload and allow him to compete at this high level that he has been sustaining for this entire season. Putting Harrison Bader in center field is adding a new element to your defense, an already great defense, I might add, for the New York Yankees, and you're adding speed. Bader is a ridiculously good base runner. He also has a very powerful bat. Harrison Bader goes on these hot streaks where he's one of the best hitters in baseball. He has that in him. So for Harrison Bader to go to a team like the Yankees, I believe I even heard that is his hometown team. That is awesome. Harrison Bader gets to wear the pinstripes and he gets to go back home and he gets to play for the New York Yankees. And he gets to play alongside Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, Anthony Rizzo. He gets to compete for a championship. What more could you ask for? The Cardinals aren't even a lock for the playoffs right now. But the Yankees have one of the best records in baseball. So for Harrison Bader, it's a win-win. He gets to go back home and he gets to play for a better team. And the Yankees get a win because Jordan Montgomery has been unreliable AF and they get to give him to a team that was desperate for a starting pitcher in exchange for a guy that could be an all-star caliber outfielder. And especially with his defense, it makes it extremely worth it. So the Yankees definitely won this trade. People can think all they want. Oh my god, why do we trade Jordan Montgomery. Yankees fans are probably like, whoa, I can't believe we traded Jordan Montgomery. What are we going to replace him with? You realize you guys have the best record in baseball as is, and you just got Frankie Montes like two days ago, and then you trade Jordan Montgomery away. Frankie Montes is a way better pitcher than Jordan Montgomery. So your rotation did get better at the trade deadline. And now not only did your rotation get better, but your defense got better. Your outfield got better. You got Harrison freaking Bader. So I don't understand the confusion with Yankees fans. Why do we trade Jordan Montgomery? Well, hmm, let me think. Maybe Severino won't be out for the rest of the season. Maybe Severino will come back just in time for the playoffs and you won't have a weak starter in your rotation. Did you ever think about that? Banking on no injuries, the Yankees have five really good starting pitchers. They don't necessarily need Jordan Montgomery, but they did value that center fielder, Harrison Bader, slightly more than starting pitcher Jordan Montgomery, and that is why the New York Yankees pulled the trigger last minute and made that trade because it does make their team better. That's all any team wants to do with the trade deadline is make their team better. What did the Yankees do? They made their team better better. Enough said. The trade deadline is over. No more trades will come through. I did not comment on every single trade because not all of them were significant enough to comment on. That's not to say they won't pay dividends. They always can. Even the quiet ones can pay dividends. Even the little tiny moves like Edmundo Sosa to the Philadelphia Phillies couldn't possibly, I guess, in, in a shot, uh, one in a million chance, 
possibly pay some dividends, but it is what it is. You know, these teams made these moves. I talked about the significant ones, the ones that made me go, wow, and that's all you can ask, okay? Not every trade needs a discussion. Some of them you just kind of have to wait and be like, okay, that was a good trade. But all the ones that are included in this video were trades that made me either go, wow, or made me go, what the F. So, hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, it is very mushed together, mashed up, uh, collaboration, <laughs> compilation, whatever, of all of these different videos from random times over the last 48 hours. But I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of Sports Bar Jockeys. And we'll be back here hopefully in a few days with another episode. But this has been the Trade Deadline Special. Thank you for listening.